When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and on this occasion I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the John Leslie and Abby Titmus of the Terrace get together. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We are going to cook up a giant broth of lower league. What was the the famous quote from that video? Hey. What's she doing, Abby? <laughs> oh, she's licking my arsehole. That's the one. Uh, that, that wasn't how I anticipated this uh, this podcast starting, but you know something? Here we are. Here we are. That's like, who's who, Sean? Uh, I, uh, oh, I don't know. John, John Leslie's a real bad egg, isn't he? Aye. Uh, well, well, I, I don't want to be John Leslie. So you can be Abby Tipmas then. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it takes. <laughs> And it's as we said earlier, you know what happens when Sean and I get together? It is a big liquid broth full of Scottish football. We're going to be looking at one game from the Championship, one game from League One and another game from League Two. Talk about them in depth and hopefully have a laugh along the way. Every week, Sean, uh, we we do our best to have a laugh. I don't think we've ever managed to achieve it. Who knows? Tonight (laughs) might be the night. Uh, fingers crossed. Now, I, I believe that you are watching a, a film for the second time today. Why why are you watching a film twice? I, I, I say watching. I, I, I'm basically, I got it on in the background. The television is to my left-hand side. Just, just something to have on, a little bit of ambience. It's a movie called Exhibit A. It's effectively a found footage movie you can get on Amazon Prime for, for free. Uh, and it's about a, a dad in Yorkshire who goes round the twist and uh, kills his family at the end. Oh, fuck. Well, aye, sorry. I've, I've spoiled it for you. <laughs> so, aye, that, 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 that's what happens. I've watched it loads of times. I don't know why. It's... it's, it's it must be quite affecting if I've watched it that many times. I suppose it must be. You don't watch a film twice in one day. If uh, you that, that, That's unusual. Like, I, I know you watch Bedil Syndrome lots, but watching the same kind of miserable film twice in one day, bear in mind it's only 20 to 6, that, that's, that is quite unusual. Well, what I'm going to do, Sean, once we finish up, of course, we're going to record a Patreon. Uh, I am going to chill out with a bit of Bedil Syndrome, uh, as I do. Maybe try and get two or three episodes in and, um, yeah, read a book or so on. So I'm looking forward to uh, it. How many episodes of Bedil Syndrome do you think you watch a week? At least three. At least three. At least three. Right. Ah, okay. It's incredible. We, we've spoken. Uh, a lot of people keep asking me about deal syndrome uh, and say, but, but it's such a, it's, it's such a. Do you realise why people ask you about it? It's such a curious thing because they didn't know David Bedil actually made his own sitcom. That's why people are asking me about it. Oh, I'd never heard of it before. Well, let me tell you. They're all on YouTube. Go and search. No, for no, me. no, no. That's not why people are curious about it. It's because it's dreadful. But you watch three episodes a week. No, it's really poor. It's, it's badly written and badly performed, but it's, it's worth watching. You know something? It's, it's, it's comfort. It, it, it's comfort stuff. You know when you're in your bed and you're just like having a bit of noise in the background to help you drift off? I put on with the old syndrome. Do you, do you still laugh at it? I've, I've still never laughed at <laughs> never it. Never laughed at it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fair play. I think uh, we're talking, you know how these daft pop culture podcasts are on the go at the moment. I think there's talk of uh, Craig Fowler and I doing a 13-part Bedil Syndrome series where we actually review every episode. I think there's I talk, would, actually. We might I, try and get like guys like David Bedil, uh, Peter Bradshaw, Marwina Banks, people that actually starred on the show to come on with us. And do you think David Bedil would come into a podcast where you essentially filter down one of his last TV shows and essentially describe it as terrible? If he's got any bottle, he'll do it. 
That's I'm thrown down the gauntlet. This is me here and now, David Vadil, come on this podcast. I am laying down the gauntlet for you to come on and explain yourself. I, uh, I, I, I'm honest. I, I wouldn't come on every single episode of this Vadil Syndrome podcast, but I would, I would do a couple. I would, I would watch a couple of episodes. I think I could, I could do that. I, I, I don't want to put myself through thirteen episodes, but maybe, maybe four. They're very short. I think once you get into one, once you get once you get to know the characters and get to know the sense of humor, you'll no, uh, no, no, no. You've you've shown me a couple of scenes uh, every now and again, and I, I I found it torturous, and and those scenes lasted about ninety seconds. Okay, well then, if 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 that if you thought Badil syndrome was torturous, wait until you see Air United's performance. <laughs> What a segue, what a segue, because our first game we are kicking off with is Air United nil, Partick Thistle 4, one of the one of the worst displays of football I think I've seen from a team in the SPFL, Air United, dreadful, humiliating performance, the second time actually this season they've been beaten by Thistle 4-0, it was a deflected free kick from Ross Doherty and it was immediately, immediately followed by uh, Brian Graham volley from a corner. And then at the death, Brian Graham got his second of the game with a header and Shea Gordon tapped in at the back post and injury time to give Ian McCall's side uh, a very routine win. We'll start We'll start by talking about Thistle first, Sean. Thistle are, are playing really well. And I think that's six games as well without uh, conceding a goal. Remarkable stuff. I, I, I saw Partick Thistle early in the season at Starts Park and I thought they were for kind of large swathes of the game. I thought they were better than Wraith Rovers. I, I thought they had loads about them in midfield. I thought they had strikers and, and Brian Graham and, and Zach Rudden, who I think came on that day, uh, who, who was giving us a lot of bother. But I did think defensively, that's where they were absolutely let down. They were, they were let down on the day. And up until that point, they've been let down all season. However, since then, They've barely conceded a goal, and and I, obviously Saturday wasn't a great example. There was a wee spell where they were struggling to create and score goals as well in the middle of that six six game run where they, where they haven't conceded. But now you look at it in terms of in terms of how they're playing, in terms of uh, the amount of chances that they're creating, in terms of the fact that they're now keeping clean sheets. And a, a few weeks ago, you would have said that they were. They were out here in terms of the running, in terms of the, the, the top end of the table, in terms of challenging Kilmarnock. Uh, now you're, you're thinking that they're probably one of their, their biggest challengers and, and certainly based on, and, and it's, don't get me wrong, as poor as the United were on Saturday. Uh, but, but based on that performance on Saturday, they, they might have a chance and they might be in the running at, at the top end of the table in terms of challenging for the title. I don't think they'll be good, good enough to challenge for the title, Sean, but I don't think there's any reason why they can't finish second or third in the table. I do think, I've said it before, I, I expect Kilmarnock to win the division comfortably. I think there'll be a wee cushion between Kilmarnock and the rest of the sides. Come pa- Partick have already beaten Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. There's not bothered, not bothered, man. I still think Kilmarnock will finish uh, well above them. I don't think Kilmarnock will lose many games this season. I think Kilmarnock can see Kilmarnock losing about four games over the course of the season. Um, have they not already lost about three? They have lost... Yeah, they have lost three games. So they're going to lose once more this season, Sean. <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about Kilmarnock, though. But what we're saying, like, Partick Thistle, the, the, the championship has become, it's like two leagues. It's, it's become partitioned. You've got five teams that, that can get, are looking to compete for the title and definitely finish in the playoff places. And then beneath that, there's an 11-point gap between our Broth in fifth and Air United in sixth. And from Air United, Hamilton, Morton, Queens and Dunfermline, You've got those five sides who will probably be, uh, be looking to to just survive this this season. So I I, I didn't think that Partick Thistle would be up there uh, challenging at, the, at this stage, but I've, I've impressed by what I've seen. I, I think that granted, you've got to credit Air United's passivity uh, because they were really fucking shit. But I think the, the, the hard run in the middle of the park there, I thought Ross Doherty looked good. He looked at the heart of everything good that happened at the weekend. Stuart Bannigan, I think there's a nice balance between the two of them there. Uh, Kyle Turner, who is, I think he plays wide right. He's like, not wide right, but he's like a, a, a wide midfielder rather than a winger. I think that's quite an interesting uh, position for him. I prefer to see him as a, a, a box-to-box midfielder myself. Uh, and of course, with, uh, with Graham and, and, and Rudden, 
up front, you know, like we've mentioned Brian Graham in this podcast before, just a, a, a really a good striker, still a, a, a very good striker. And I do think there's a lot to like about them, but not enough to like them to back them to challenge Kilmarnock at the top of the table. It's funny you talk about like where players are, are playing in terms of their position on the park, because based on Saturday, it looked like umpteen players were out of position. And yet somehow it seems to work. So like Ricky Foster, yeah. I've, I've regarded as a right back, but he was playing, he's pretty much played left back this season. Uh, Kevin Holt, I've always regarded as a left back, but has been playing centre half. Kira McKenna, I've regarded as a centre half, but was playing at right back. Scott Tiffany, I've kind of always thought predominantly played on the left, but it seems to be comfortable uh, on the right. Kyle Turner, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, is more of a kind of box-to-box midfielder yeah. and looks more comfortable in the middle. But he's been playing uh, kind of kind of wide of, of, of midfield. And you think, right, so there's four or five players that, that aren't playing necessarily where you would expect them to play. But it is, it is somehow working. And I, I do think in terms of in terms of Brian Graham, I think great, and I've always thought this, I think Brian Graham is an, an underrated uh, striker and even when he was in the Premiership, I thought he was un- he was underrated, uh, and he will always score you goals. And Zach Rudden is somebody who I don't think will be in the Championship that much longer. So they probably have a, a, a good enough mix that would definitely keep them up the, the top end of the table for, for the rest of the season. I, I don't see them drop out the, the playoff places. You don't think they'll, they'll challenge Kilmarnock. You might be right, but but I think between Kelly and I'll stick my neck on the line here between Kelly Wraith. And Partick, for me, that might be the best three teams in the league uh, this season. No, I, I, I agree. Not, nothing to say there about Cali Thistle. I know they're they're in a bad run of form at the moment, but they, you, I don't wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't dismiss them out of hand. Uh, the thing about Cali is we, we saw them at the start of the season where they seem to win one 0 every week, and you're like, right, well, if they can if, if they can click even further, then they'll start to they'll start to win games by even more goals. But actually, what's happened is. Rather than kicking on and scoring more goals, they've now just started to concede goals, and they don't seem to have enough goals within them uh, to, to pull away for teams. Billy Dodds was a, an, an interesting appointment, uh, not necessarily a, a, a poor appointment, but um, I, I've not necessarily been as impressed by Inverness as as probably the as probably the other three. Uh, but I impressed by by Partick, and and, and what I would say is. See, in terms of teams that get promoted from League One, it's very, very rare. If you win League One, it's very, very rare that you don't finish in the top half of the Championship the next season. That's actually a good point. I'm just trying to think of who would a team that has come up from, are winners of the third tier that have come up and struggled? Uh, no, I, I used to know this, but I genuinely can't remember, but it was a long time ago. Right, yeah. I, 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 so I, I, that's of no help whatsoever. I can't think of anyone as well. You mentioned about Brian Graham's goals though, Sean, but surely he will not score two easier goals this season. And uh, Jack Baird's role in both those goals. In fact, you know what, we might as well just we'll park Partick Thistle for the time being and let's let's talk about Air United. Two points from their last six matches uh, in dreadful form at the moment. And I think this performance was, as we mentioned at the start, was, was, was really embarrassing. It just looked so easy. They were so soft-centred for guys like Tiffany, guys like Kyle Turner to, to run through them. And, and Jack Baird, who generally been, I've always considered to be quite a, a, a solid defender, just Brian Graham simply ghosting, not even ghosting past him, just saying, excuse me, and just sort of like coming out of the way and, and, and scoring two goals, uh, the, the volley and the, 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 the header at the, at the tail end. Really, really bad stuff. Really bad stuff for United. I Baird, Baird was at fault for both of Graham's goals. And the, the kind of vibe I get from Air is, I think it's quite similar to, and I, I, I apologise for always referring back to a kind of Wraith example, but see when Wraith were under the tenure of Grant Murray. Yes. And I don't mean this as, a, as an insult to Grant Murray because I, I like them. But in terms of Wraith Rovers as a club at that point, I, I never felt like there was an ambition to to take a step forward it always felt like okay we've appointed Grant Murray which felt like the easy thing to do because he was already at the club and we will budget for a mid-table position and if we do anything over and above that that's great but we'll, we'll probably do just about enough to stay up 
and, and that happened for about three or four seasons and it, and it, it kind of felt like we were treading water. Yeah. And that's how I feel about Air United. So ever since Ian McCall has left the Air, it's felt like they're treading water. So they appointed Mark Kerr, which, which to be fair, like that might have worked. Ultimately, it didn't. Uh, Hopkin was, yeah. was a poor appointment. There, yeah. There's no getting away from it. But even the appointment of Jim Duffy, it, it, that almost felt like the, the path of least resistance. He's already there, so let's give him the job. And again, it doesn't really feel like an ambitious move. And in terms of the squad that they have, again, it feels like a squad that's been put together to finish mid-table and with a bit of luck, they would scrape into the playoffs. And But the problem with treading water is eventually other teams will overtake you. And that's where Air United are at, at this moment in time. And as you say, the, the division is very much uh, split up in two. But if they continue to put in performances like they did on Saturday, which was, I, I mean, dreadful. I'm, like, I know Jim Duffy said that he felt the 4-0 scoreline didn't reflect the game. Huh. Based, based, on the, based on the highlights, I, I thought it did. The amount of times that somebody in the Patrick Thistle midfield would, would gain possession at the halfway line and then just drive forward for 25, 30 yards yeah. and get a pop-off at goal. And nobody, nobody would come and challenge them. It was, it, it was, it was such a poor performance. Uh, and based on that, I, I, I don't see them, I, I, I don't see them, I see them being very much a kind of lower league, a, a lower end of, of championship uh, this season and, and very much being in a, a relegation struggle. I think so. I think when you look at the, the, they're a poor side, but when you do look at the bottom half of that championship, I think they're perhaps quite fortunate is that there are a lot of poor sides in that. Uh, in that. But, 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 but based on what I've seen so far, so like Queen of South have got a wee bit better in recent weeks. Dunfermline have appointed John Hughes and I think they'll get better going forward. That only really leaves you Hamilton, Ayr and Morton. So, so I, I, I do think they'll be in a real dogfight this season. Well, let's look at the, some of the goals they lost. The first goal was uh, Stuart Bannigan. Stuart Bannigan, forget it. was a Ross Doherty free kick that took a massive deflection into the net. We've talked about Brian Graham's goal where, where Jack Bear just, just let him go. The, later on, it was, just seemed to be uh, 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 Park Thistle having a number of, of, of strong chances. They scored again at the end. And then just at the end as well, I think like Mick McAllister, very, very easy to... to I'm not sure who was it that broke down the left-hand side. Very easy to go down the left hit the thing right across the face of the goal. And there's Shea Gordon standing at the back post, uh, ready to, to, to pop it off into the net. And who could have imagined that, that David Hopkin signing all those dumplings that finished in ninth place for Greenock Morton last season, who could have possibly imagined that they wouldn't be very good? Just simply at a different club. The boy who I think, every time I see him, any time I see him, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm astonished that he's still playing full-time full, Marcus Fjortoft. Just, I just think he looks like a big huddy. I, I didn't think that was the worst signing of the summer. I thought he was, I, I thought he might have been passable. I, I, I think, see, in terms of the goals, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of the goals, that, that first goal, which was the, the free kick from, from Ross Doherty, initially I was like, oh, well, well, they've been a wee bit unlucky there, but actually they weren't. Because the wall, like the wall for that free kick, so 20 yards out or whatever it was, but every single player within it just just breaks. So let's say it's a five-man wall. Every single one of them breaks. So there's there's a space between every man in that wall. And Jonathan, I think Afalabi, Jonathan Afalabi kind of turned his back. And yes, there was a deflection and it had come off him and, and, and it went past uh, Aidan McAdams. But it, it, it wasn't bad luck. It was just dreadful organisation. And that's, that's probably what you could label of them for every single goal. It was just poor organisation, nobody taking accountability, and just really poor, it's really poor defending. We spoke about Jim Duffy earlier, Sean, and his new manager bounce at the club. Well, it didn't, didn't really last long because when he was interim manager, he picked up a couple of good results. But since he's coming on a full-time basis, it hasn't really, we haven't seen any real upturn in, in form. And you wonder of the appointments that they, they could have made. It, it, to me, it seemed like a aye. I, I, not the point. If I was a United fan, it wouldn't have necessarily been the appointment that, that I'd have gone for. Particularly, particularly after watching a lot of Duffy Ball at Dumbarton <clears throat> last season, which uh, is the football equivalent of uh, a war crime. You can just imagine some Serbians uh, <laughs> to to torture some. I don't know who who do Serbians not like. Uh, everybody. everybody, everybody, yeah. 
Listen, Serbian's pitching up in France and just like showing French people this uh, Dumbarton last season. Oh, the thing is, the, the, the thing is, would would uh, United have appointed Jim Duffy if if he wasn't already at the club? Like, probably not. Yeah. So if that's if that's why you're appointing him because you're already on the coaching staff, does they feel like much of an appointment? And and as you say, I, his his tenure at Dumbarton was 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 unimpressive. And I, I wouldn't sit here and say Jim Duffy is a bad manager. He has enough about him on his CV that, to, to suggest that he, and I, I hate this phrase, I'm going to use it regardless, but I hate this phrase. He's got enough on his CV to suggest that this might be a safe pair of hands. But you know someone, a, a safe pair of hands, isn't he? Like, give it to somebody who you have huge confidence in. Give it to somebody who's going to take your club forward. Don't give it to somebody who, oh, well, if we give it to him, we might be fine for six months. Because like that's that's not enough. We've got a huge game coming up at the weekend against Dunfermline. Dunfermline got their first. They'll get humped. They'll get absolutely humped. You think they'll get humped? Oh, I, I absolutely humped. I, I think, I think Aaron, I think Aaron in a real bad place. And I think uh, I, I watched a wee bit of Inverness Dunfermline at the weekend. I think uh, I thought Dunfermline were poor in the first half better in the second half and certainly more resilient in the second half Inverness could have had a penalty uh, I've not watched that again I thought Inverness could have had a penalty in, in the closing minutes but regardless Dunfermline looked better and Wraith Rovers fans will absolutely say that John Hughes is terrible right but you like you look at his CV and he's got enough about him that there's, there's more positives there than negatives. And John Hughes' CV of the there's a lot, lot like wouldn't say ups and downs. The only one that you could say is a is a huge black mark in that is it is time at Ray Rovers. Hartlepool was Hartlepool wasn't great either. Certainly in Scotland, then everything yeah. else I mean like his his brother's successful. And and I can understand why. People would say that it's a surprise that he's not in, in management. The more I don't want to become a John Hughes revisionist, I do think that his time at Wraith Rovers and the way he conducted himself and its and its aftermath was was, was really really quite poor. And I think it's somebody who who really desperately wanted to wash his hands of of the situation. You remember there was a there was a podcast. Uh, I don't want to say who it was, but interviewed uh, this person interviewed John Hughes, and they said. I can't believe that you're not in management and, and they allowed John Hughes to just go on and talk for 17 minutes about how hard... All of his stats were wrong. All of his stats were wrong. Aye, that's, that's right. When it starts barking, what he'd done. And it was a load of rubbish. A load of rubbish. Which I did flag up and the person in question did say, thanks for listening. <laughs> so you <he> did. <laughs> just while we're on, while we're on talking about Twitter, Sean, I liked uh, your uh, stuff on Twitter in the aftermath of Scotland. Uh, you, Scotland. You know something, I got a wee bit carried away. I got a wee bit carried away myself, uh, but it was, it was a good night. Just when you, you pulled someone up for, 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 a, for, for a historic tweet, and they replied with, uh, giving it a bit more context, and you just replied, cool, with an exclamation mark after it. <laughs> Brilliant. Very, very funny stuff. Well, with Thistle, meanwhile, Sean, Thistle have got another team they embarrassed earlier in the season. In fact, no, I, I described Air United's performance as the most embarrassing I'd seen all season. I, I would like to retract that because it was actually Hamilton Academical against Thistle, which was live on BBC Scotland. That's the most embarrassing performance I've seen this season. You would fancy, I'm not sure it will be as emphatic as that, but you would fancy Thistle to put two or three past them. That, that'll be very comfortable. Presumably, uh, Wraith versus Hamilton at the weekend was yeah. a straightforward a win, as I've seen for the Rovers this season. And as much as they were good, it wasn't it wasn't the it wasn't their best performance of the season. But Hamilton looked uh, Hamilton looked dreadful. Yeah, like nothing about them. Like they they they, they desperately need David Templeton. That like we knew this season that Hamilton had a young squad. We we didn't know what way it would go. Uh, they've brought in experienced players. Those experienced players haven't contributed as much as no. we thought they would, and again they they look like along with Air, along with Morton, as probably the most likeliest teams to be fighting out at the bottom of the table. They're, I was hugely surprised how dreadful they were on Saturday. They, they were they were bad in the first half, and in the second half, Rafe dropped off. But the second half was a non-event. Hamilton never looked like getting back into it, and. Considering Wraith Rovers generally let teams back into it, that that is not a good thing for Hamilton. 
On top of that, Colin McGowan's now in full charge of the club. And I know that Hamilton fans are, are very worried about this, Sean. And uh, you, as a Raith Rovers fan, will have an experience in Mr McGowan, who was in charge of uh, in charge of the club for a period. Should Aki's fans be worried? Potentially, yes. So McGowan was the director at the time at Starts Park who suggested that if he... I can't remember the, the exact quote, but he basically said that he would... He would bulldoze Starts Park and build a car park on it. Okay, cool. Uh, so it's probably not the type of person that you want involved at your football club. He's just, you know something, he's, he's not particularly interested at football. And, and it's kind of my, it's kind of what I thought about it. And uh, no, you, you you don't want him making decisions or, or being the decision maker at your football club. Let's take a look in League One. And the teams we are going to focus on is... Uh, Two teams that can't win, effectively. It's uh, Queen's Park versus Clyde. They played out a nil-nil draw at Firhill. This is Queen's Park's eighth draw of the season. The, the, the most any side in, in League One have drawn. They hit the bar twice. Uh, Stuart Morrison hit the post with a header and uh, Mikey Doyle hit the bar also from a header. Well, David Goodwill was uh, hit a Penenka penalty. It was a Penenka. Anyway, Terrible. Penalty. really bad penalty. Really bad penalty they hit over the crossbar. Uh, and as such... Queen's Park have drawn their third successive match and they have fallen away from the top of the table. That's Airdrie O'Neill and Cove Rangers sitting behind them. While Clyde have arrested a, a dreadful run of form uh, and are just uh, just a stone's throw above East Fife in, in bottom place. What did you make of this? I only watched the highlights for this one, Sean. So the six minutes, uh, I, I watched them on mute. I want that to go on the record. I watched those highlights on mute. What did you make of what you saw? I think... If, if you want to take a, a, a glass half empty approach, then let's, that's the best kind of approach. Well, let's take let's take a glass half empty approach. Queens Park are not in the position that we expected them to be, uh, and I think you could say that both on the park and off the park. Yes. So even during the summer, I think they were probably the last club to offer season tickets for fans, that's which right. felt weird. I don't think their communication to their fans is particularly good. Bear in mind they they initially said that they would be playing in their own stadium. I think at the end of this year, or certainly soon, I, I get the impression that that won't be happening no. for, for a long time. Uh, so communication of the park is is poor. Another thing is, and we spoke about it last season and over the summer in terms of Queen's Park had signed a lot of full-time players who wouldn't have got another full-time gig if Queen's Park weren't a full-time team in League Two. Yes. It was a very uh, bottom of the barrel in terms of football. Very much so. Guys that were suckling the drain in terms of full-time football. But I presumed that they would uh, bring in another four or five bodies that would lift the squad to a degree that they would potentially win League One, maybe reasonably easily, depending on what Falkirk did. Now, they haven't done that, and I think you can see why the, there was that that, that, that kind of separation from Ray McKinnon and, and, and Queen's Park. They've not really brought in, they've not really spent a lot of money in terms of bringing players in in, in the summer. They still have a they still have a decent squad. And again, they brought in Lord Ellis, who might have been an easy option. I, I don't know. There's no experience there in terms of manager. I will not be giving any negative opinions on Lord Ellis, incidentally, <laughs> uh, as he is a, a Wraith Rovers legend. But could a more experienced manager be getting more out of the squad? Maybe. But considering how we spoke about the squad last season, it was a decent squad. It was a good squad for League Two. Is it a good squad for League One? Aye. Yeah. Is, it, is, it, is it head and shoulders above everybody else in League One? No. So I'm not particularly surprised that they aren't running away with League One. But the thing, the, the thing that would frustrate me if I was a Queen's Park fan the most is that this is a league that, that, that if you were a team within it, all it needs is kind of getting grabbed by the scruff of the neck and really taking them with it, yeah. and nobody's doing that. Nobody, oh, no. so whether it's Airdrie or Queens Park or Falkirk or, or Montrose or Cove, nobody is able to do that at this moment in time. And the fact that Queens Park are full time uh, would, would really frustrate me. I was reading comments in Pine Bovril from, from their fans, and somebody somebody had written that. You've got to remember where the club were just a couple of years ago. We were still an amateur side play, playing in League Two. And so, yeah, I mean, it it's, it's all building blocks in place. You've all got to, to, to take baby steps going forward. But I'd be like, no, no, I think it's fair enough. It's not as if you're like an amateur side 
who are playing in League One. You're playing a, you're the same sort of circumstances, just the division higher. The circumstances have completely changed at Queen's Park. And I think that if you're a full-time team, there are huge advantages to... I mean, there's no point in going over them, but there are huge advantages being full-time. And, and what we're seeing from Queen's Park is it looks like they're a very easy side to play against. If you dig, if you sit deep against them and you all, everyone's switched on and everyone's concentrating, everyone's throwing themselves in front of balls, they, they are easy to, to, to play against. I think there is a bit of misfortune there for Queen's Park that um, Simon Murray's missing and Jai Katongo are missing there. They're really explosive, powerful players that can really get in behind and stretch defences. And I think that with like Bob McHugh, for instance, I really don't think you get the same from Bob McHugh that you do from Simon Murray. I always find that Bob McHugh is a, more of just a penalty box sort, sort of striker, someone who requires others to make the chances for him. Whereas Simon Murray, having seen him earlier in the season when Queen's Park beat Cove Rangers, he's running everywhere. His lateral running... Uh, like from from into the corners, like it gave Cove Rangers a, a real a, a real problem. So I understand with him not being there, and I think Sean with Laurie Ellis, I, I know that that you don't want me too critical of him. And I think at the the weekend's game, Queens Park did create a number of good chances. Neil Parry and the Clyde Gold did make a number of good saves, but it seems to be happening. As you said, eight, drawn eight times this season, it seems to be happening all the time. And at what point do you think we're not really getting value for money here? Something's got to change. I wouldn't be surprised if they if if the Queen's Park board got together and relieved Ellis of his duties if things didn't improve. I suppose if you want to take a, a glass half full approach, uh, they they are dominating teams like they are creating chances. Mm-hmm. They are the better team. They're just not putting chances away. Uh, as you say, the hit the woodwork quaverous like a, a couple of times on Saturday, and that's that's generally how it's going. Like they do generally. Uh, complete 90 minutes and look like the better team but there is something there is something missing there, there is a, a, a clinical edge that is lacking and they they concede a lot of late goals as well so so there's a mentality problem there yeah. as well now how you solve that I, I'm not entirely sure but there's definitely lacking there's definitely something lacking them you know, I, was, I was looking at it Sean they have conceded uh, if, if you take out the goals they've conceded injury time they would be seven points better off this season so when they played Clyde earlier in the season David Goodwill scored an injury time to, to tie the match they played against Aloe Athletic they're winning 3-2 going into injury time before Ewan Henderson pops up and scores two goals to win the game for them and then uh, against these five the previous week Kieran Miller equalised in the 95th minute and you're, you're right, is it a mentality thing? Is it, is it a fitness issue when it happens that often? I think it's, it's to quote those Oscar Wilde quote, to lose, uh, to lose one parent is misfortunate, to lose two is careless. Is that the line? What do dead parents in Oscar Wilde have to do with Queen's Park? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I think that, that's it. If I, was, if I was a Queen's Park fan, I think you, you're right to, to question what is happening on the pitch at the moment. In fact, just question over the general direction of the club. Everything. Aye. And it's, it's I mean, it's, I, like, I obviously got a soft spot for Queen's Park and, and look out and, and look out for them and, and, and want them to, want them to do well. But it just feels like that the, the club's just been run at the moment. It's, it's just not conducive to a good atmosphere for, for supporters. I mean, no one wants to go away to, to Furhill and watch your team play. You want to be, a, you want to be a lesser, you know, you want to be, you want to be at home, but I, I'm sure I read it's a, it's a dispute between the, the contractors and the club, and that's why there's no, not been any work done at, at Lesser for for months, I think. But there's but there's but there's no communication kind of to kind of tell fans that so at all when when there's when there's literally nothing coming from a club when things aren't going well, whether that's off the park, which is predominantly like when when things aren't going particularly well, like people start to to kind of think the worst. Yeah, and, and and you know something, you you probably don't have to think the worst if you're a Queens Park fan. You are now a full time club. You are building a new stadium that, that you're going to play in at some point in the future. You are three points off the top of League One, as I think. Yes, like that's a pretty positive place to be. Aye, so this is but, this but, but it doesn't feel full, like man. a positive thing at this moment in time, and that's that comes down to communication. Yes, aye. Well, let's uh, let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about Clyde then, Sean Clyde. 
uh, I, I, I seemed, seemed to have a rest of form. Prior to the, the start of November, they had lost four consecutive matches, but they drew against Dumbarton. That was, again, David Goodwillie scoring the 90th minute, and they held Queen's Park to the, the, the draw here. For my money, I think Clyde are, by some distance, on paper anyway, the worst side in that division. They're just, they've got a, a decent goalkeeper, Neil Parry, and a, a blue-chip superstar striker and, and David Goodwillie. The rest of the team... Jobbers. For that, that's, 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 that's impressive. I look at that team, Sean, there's not one player I would take at Stenhouse Muir. Not one player I'd take at Stenhouse Muir. Aye. And, I, mean, and, I mean, if you want to be glass half full of it, Clyde, I'm probably struggling with the exception of, I think the last time we spoke about Clyde, we said there were David Goodwillie and 10 cunts. And now it's probably David Goodwillie, Neil Parry and nine cunts. So, so that's better. That's a step forward, isn't it? That's good. Is, is it going to be enough to keep them up? I, I, I genuinely doubt it. I, I saw, sorry, Sean, I might need to, to check, but I was, watching, I was watching the highlights back there. Did my eyes deceive me, or was Bobby Jones playing centre-forward with David Goodwillie playing uh, wide on the right? Uh, Goodwillie certainly seemed to be more right than central. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Lennon, you remember when... When Danny Lennon was the manager of Aloha and there was a suggestion that he basically went on holiday and left his recruitment quite late. And so his recruitment for Aloha that season didn't go very well. And, and that's why they were so poor. It's kind of felt like that's what he's done every single season for Clyde. Like every season, the recruitment is poor and not good enough I to survive in, last, in this league. Uh, over the last uh, two years, or certainly the last three transfer windows, Sean, that seems to be the impression. If you look at, the, for instance, the midfielders, the team that got promoted to League One, that was Chris McStay, Ray Grant and John Rankin. And you compare that to some of the dumplings that are that are kicking up about for them just now. I'm looking at guys like, I mean, like Morgaro Gomez, good player in his day, but past his best. Ross Cunningham, he can be okay. Aaron Splain, next. You know, it's like, it's like how many of these players would get gigs? There's, there's guys in that team that I'm surprised are playing SPFL football. Like guys that I think that think are lucky to find themselves in the SPFL. And I do think that there's times where I look at Daniel Lennon's Clyde and I think that he's, he has got a lot of credit in the bank. For, for all the good stuff and you remember that how you still think he has credit in the bank 100% if you think how bad the, the position the club were in I mean when, after he took over Jim Chapman back in 2000 and, I was 2017 when he took over that he turned that he turned them in I mean remember they, they had, a, a, had a dreadful start under Chapman Lennon comes in and they almost uh, got into the playoffs in his first season before actually going and winning promotion in the second and I think that, that giving Clyde, giving Clyde fans a team to be proud of again is after years, remember years, years of absolute shit that Clyde fans had to watch, giving them a team to be proud of again. That's that's huge. And it just it doesn't seem to be buttering the parsnips. They're saying now, don't be buttering the parsnips for a wee while now. I I, I don't think Clyde have had a team to be proud in since he got promoted to League One. So I agree with what you're saying. Like, like getting out of League Two was something to be proud of and it, it gave them something to cling to. Have they had anything since? Mm, and I, I'm, I'm not so sure. And his, his, his recruitment, like his, his the, 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 the kind of positivity around him has, has dwindled and dwindled and dwindled. And I'm, I'm not so sure that they're, they're entirely confident that he is the man to take them forward. He, you can look at the squad, again, you can take it two ways. This looks like a, a squad that is low on talent and ability and he is just about keeping them up. And could another manager do that? Maybe not. But then would another manager have, have signed all these dumplings? Again, probably not. We've got a huge game in the weekend, Sean, when they're playing East Fife. I think it's the first six-pointer of the League One season. Of course, the Clyde win, they can uh, put a wee bit of a cushion between them and the bottom of the table. However, lose that game and uh, East Fife will leapfrog them, sending Clyde to the bottom. How do you think this one's going to go? East Fife are at home, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I'll just check, just double check that. Yes, the, the game is going to be played. I know it's at Broadwood. Oh, uh, in, in that case, uh, Clyde will win as East Fife are dreadful away from home. Absolutely dreadful. 
and, and have been for about two years. Why that is, I've no idea, but that is a, a win for Clyde and, and fair play to them. Was fairly emphatic. Shall we look at Queen? Let's look at Queen's Park. They have got they're away at Peterhead on, on Saturday now. Peterhead draw. a draw. It always is. It's fine. I think they, they, they've really got a tough run of games coming up at Queen's Park because they've got Kilmarnock in the Scottish Cup. Then they're playing Falkirk, then Erzionians and Montrose. So we really need to see some upturning form from, from, from Queen's Park in this uh, in, in this period. Very much so. Uh, I Let's see what happens. See if they see if they do struggle through that through that 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 kind of period of fixtures. I I, I do think that maybe maybe there might be an adjustment in, in terms of the, the the management. Yeah, it always seems to be thinking that's it. Sack the managers, isn't it? Not, not never the players are never to blame. Just sack the manager. Well, it, it's easier to get rid of one manager than than twenty five players. 25 players, that was about the number that Stennis Muir signed uh, in the summer. Uh, most of them came from BSC Glasgow. And whilst some people thought the recruitment drive was absolutely dreadful, uh, Stennis Muir are doing absolutely fantastic at the moment. They have won five games on the bounce in all competitions, uh, including a 2 0 win at the weekend over at an athletic. Ad- goals from Adam Brown uh, late on in the first half in the penalty spot, and a well taken drive from Ewan O'Reilly with about 10 minutes remaining gave the Warriors the win. And it has elevated St. Hensmere to the conversation within the playoff places. They are just outside in fifth place, I think. Yep, they're just outside in fifth place. And uh, whereas Annan's spotty form continues, they had a, a fantastic start to the season. But since then, it's a couple of wins pockmarked with, with losses. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk about the, the Wawa's first shot. What did you think? Have you, have you ever seen the film Threads? Yeah, fuck, it's the scariest film I've ever seen. Yeah, so it's like in a 1980s British apocalyptic nuclear war film. Yes. set in Sheffield yes. and because it was set in the 80s and because it's British it doesn't really have much of a budget and so when uh, the, I believe it's the Russians that that uh, decide to blow up Sheffield the, the, way they, the way they illustrate that is just to have a bright yellow light and then you, you can't really see anything and that was essentially, <laughs> that was essentially the highlights uh, of of Stennis Muir. So as much as I wanted to see what was happening, when certainly with Stenny were going forward in the first half, yes. I, I couldn't see anything. There was a penalty. I didn't know what had happened. Uh, it was Stenny looked okay, but I was literally blinded by yellow light. I uh, so I suppose then if you if you couldn't watch the highlights, sure, I might as well go for the game since I was there. I, I, I was able to see it. It was a, it was an impressive performance from Stenhouse Muir. I think that the the first half was a bit of a slobber knocker. Annan definitely started the, the the better of the two sides. They've got a guy in loan from Greenock Morton, Michael Garrity, who who played well. He was playing uh, left wing, and he was giving Mikey Miller and Nicky Jameson quite a bit to think about. He was able to drive at them, able to sort of get in behind and cause them a bit of bother. But although that they they had uh, they, they were causing them bother, David Wilson in the Stenhouse Mirror goal wasn't overly troubled. Uh, the match really kind of came to life t- towards the end of the second half. I'm not sure it was. It was fouled. It was a corner kick. Uh, I think it might have been Mikey Miller actually himself went for the ball and was kicked over by the defender. Adam Brown popped the penalty away. And the, the second half, Stenny were excellent by far and away the, the, the better side. Uh, they've got a player at the moment in Ewan O'Reilly who is one of the most exciting Wilders I've seen at Stenhouse. He, he looks really good. Would you say he was, is he your most impressive loan signing since Templeton? Well, that's quite interesting because he's not on loan. Okay, so he is, is he your best winger since Templeton? This is Paul McMullen came in on loan from Celtic in 2015. When Paul McMullen got the ball, we just said, well, something's going to happen here. Something's going to happen. He's going to, he's either going to take the team 20 yards up the park, he's going to put someone in his arse, he's going to do a trick or something. And it's, it's great. He is full of confidence at the moment. I think Erdogonians had offered him a contract in the summer, a, a, a full-time deal, I think it might have been. But he uh, rejected it because he was told he would uh, effectively be a backup player and he wanted to play on a, a more frequent basis. Now, having seen his, how he's been playing over the last month or so, 
I, I, if I was Stephen Swift, I'd try to sign him up for next season. He's, he's phenomenal. I think he started the campaign, he was injured, and then he was hit by the coronavirus. And so it's been a slow start for him. But since uh, the 1-1 draw with Forfa, he's been, he's been absolutely phenomenal. And that's capped his performance uh, with, with a goal. Really well-taken goal as well. No, it, it, it did look very good. And are you now, so bear in mind, if you go back, Five, six weeks or so, yep. you were very much of the opinion that, that, that the Stephen Swift era was was not was not going very well. You, you now seem to have turned 180 degrees. You know something, Sean? I went back and read comments that I'd made on Pine Bovro uh, uh, about the team when they were going through the, this losing run. And I always think, had you been a bit too knee-jerk by, by wanting the manager gone? Was there anything that you wrote there that, that is perhaps unreasonable or that, that was unfair and you know something I actually don't think I was I think the concerns that we had at that point were, were legitimate then you go back to a podcast did you not say something about his family no I said anything about his family I don't, don't no, I'm <laughs> fuck I'm just no I just keep families out of it no I want that on the record I'm not saying anything about Stephen Swift's uh, family why, why did you think that I'm joking. Right, fuck, right. Fuck God, you had me worried there, thinking, no, 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 I, 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 I don't know those kids. No. <laughs> the point I was going to make, though, was, was at the time, Sean, you and I did a podcast when after Steny lost 2-0 at Stranra, and that was a dreadful performance. That's that the worst that we'd seen from, from Stenhouse Muir. And what he'd done in that game, the previous match, weirdly enough, against Anand, the first one of the season, he had jigged things around to cope with Anand's aerial balls, like long, long balls into this big El Gigante, Tommy Goss, and, and it's moved, it brought on a centre-back to play it right back, just so they had height all along the back line. And the tactic, well, ultimately worked because Stenhouse Muir sought out to the game, but he chose to do this, start the game against Stranraer with the same tactic. And Sean Crichton had apparently told the physio prior to this game that he, wasn't, that he couldn't last 90 minutes, that he'd be lucky to make it to the half. Yet Sean Crichton was kept on despite continually playing shite and Adam Corbett and Mikey Anderson we spoke about this one when he took them off after 43 minutes and embarrassed them and you're thinking right well why would you start the game that way you've started yourself at a disadvantage with a formation that doesn't work with a player who's not fit enough to be there like what's What's going on? At this point, Robert Thompson was on the bench in place of Paul Moore. You're thinking, you you don't know. It looks like you don't know what you're doing. It really didn't look like you know what you're doing. Since then, however... Was he overthinking things? Yeah. Like, because because Steny have such a massive squad, was he overthinking things? Yeah. Why, why on earth would you think that, that a tactic against that, that worked against Aaron's big boys would work against her? Why do you want to start a game doing that? That just to me, it just it just didn't make any sense, and that's it. You're, you're overthinking things, and and uh, the team was paying the price as 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 a as a result. Since then, however, since then he has set he has settled on the a four two three one formation. Largely, the same players are playing every week, barring uh, barring injuries, and you've got some players in really really good form at the moment. So you mentioned Euro Riley. Matt Weatherburn's been excellent. Matt Weatherburn is is. Arguably been the best player that he's brought in this uh, this this season. Has it has it been has he been excellent but slow? Oh aye, aye. Jesus. Man. He's like uh, I reckon if you were to sort Nat Weatherburn in half and count the rings from his hips all the way to his spine, there'd be about a four thousand rings in there. <laughs> he's so slow. He's so slow. However, You'll have seen him from his time at the Rovers, Sean. He's got a big backside and he's got really, really long legs. So when he is in possession, chances are very likely he's going to lose the ball. However, he's, he, can do the, he can do the simple stuff very, very well. Yes. However, if you, you can frighten the life out of him by jogging at him, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and the problem is that, that Stensfield don't really have legs in the, in, in the middle of the park, which has just been a problem all season. I think that, that Swift has, has tried to find a formation that's going to get the best out of these players. I think largely it's, uh, it's done. And on top of that, the team are winning without Robert Thompson. Robert Thompson had, uh, picked up ligament damage in the 2 0 win over Cowden Beef. And we don't really have a, a good striker. Thomas Orr is, is really struggling at the moment up front. He's left leaving no impression in games. And we, we're really not seeing the same player who, who did so well at Stranraer the, the, the previous year. 
So I do think that the manager deserves a lot of credit. I don't think I was wrong. That's saying I, I don't think I was wrong at the time of my criticism at the time, but I am delighted that he's turned it around. I, I truly am delighted because fundamentally, if he's successful, Stenhouse Muir is successful. And, and for me, that's the, that's the most important thing. The squad as well was too... The squad was too good to be down there. The squad was too good to be stuck around at the bottom of the table. Let's, let's be honest. They just weren't playing well. And he, some of his decisions weren't helping that. Do you remember when uh, an Annan fan was, was giving, giving you a bit of stick on, on Pine Bovril earlier in the season? Was it, yeah. good to, was it good to kind of bend it up, Annan, again? I'd forgotten about him, the philosopher. Yeah, <laughs> slagging off me and Sean and, the, and the, the View from the Terrace podcast saying that we thought Aaron weren't very good and they won a couple of games in a row. Where are you now, philosopher? Where are you now? I saw you didn't have anything to say in the thread in Pine Bovril after we turned you over. So you didn't have anything to say in the thread. I'm looking at the microphone as I'm doing this, like, uh, like I'm actually addressing him directly. Um, but he called us, uh, he, he, he certainly seems to have some sort of issue uh, with yours truly, Mark Cately. But that's, that's up to him. Did it feel good to turn over Aaron and... A win's a win. You know, so a win's a win. That's the most important thing. And um, well, one thing we want to finish up with talking about Stenhouse Spirit is Colin McMenamin, who's the assistant manager at Annan Athletic, came into the wee bar after the game. Now, Colin is one of my all-time favourite Steny players. He was there for four years as a player and very mediocre manager at the club, it's fair to say. But because he's like generally held in high regard, people were just disappointed that it didn't work out rather than angry at him. And him coming into the wee bar and having a chat about the match, he thought it was a terrible game and a couple of wee tactical nuggets in there, which was really nice. But I saw Colin today, actually, I was leaving my work and his van had uh, stopped on the road at traffic lights and he tooted and waved at me. So I waved back at him. And then I was coming through the East End to my flat he tooted and saw me again. He was like, I shouted out the van, are you following me? So I was like, yeah, that's class. That's class. Absolutely love me. It's great to see that, that players can uh, can come back into the club and, uh, and and spend time with fans. And I think that's it's great to see that Colin obviously has that same level of affection for Stennis Muir and the supporters. And just him coming to the wee bar after the game meant a lot. Stephen Swift hasn't done that this season, coming and seen, spoken to fans after the game. Colin McMenamin has, and he's no longer associated with the club. How cool is it that one of your favourite ever Senna players has tooted his horn at you twice while driving past you in a van? Twice <laughs> in the space. That's pretty cool. Twice in the space of 20 minutes as well. Aye, fucking class, man. He's a, he's a, he's a, such a nice guy. And it's, uh, it's great to, it was great to catch up with him and uh, talk about the game. He thought it was a terrible match. Uh, I, I, I would disagree. I thought the first half was brutal, but the second half certainly was a, was a bit better. Once the uh, once the nuclear winter had settled, uh, once the nuclear winter had settled, <laughs> in the second half it, it seemed to go a lot a lot better. I think it, for Annan, there's some decent players in that Annan team. There, 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 there's some some players that I do like in that Annan team. I think that Ian Anderson is, is quite a handy striker. He doesn't have a lot of finesse, but he can put himself about. He's quite a fit boy. He occupied defenders. Owen Moxon, I like him a lot. Good uses the ball quite well. Same with Tony Wallace. I think that, I mean, there'll be certainly Grew Up Morton fans listening to this will be like, say what? But Tony Wallace is actually, he's, he's certainly found his level at Anna. And then Steven Swinglehurst is a decent big defender. Um, the, the player- are, we not, are, we, are we not in a similar position again with Anna where it is, where it feels like, as, as it feels every season, they have a setup off the park that is ideally yeah. suited to moving up the leagues, but they have a squad of players that, that, that isn't, they'll be there or thereabouts in terms of playoffs but they'll probably just about miss out in terms of in terms of getting promoted. You know, probably, probably, Sean. I still, even while I'm we're, we're going going well, and, and that that jerk and pie in Bovril was, was trying to have a pop at yours truly, Mark Haley. I even then thought, listen, well, enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy it while it lasts, because I, I, I think that I thought Kelty are going to win the league. Fourth Athletic is still in Albion. will probably make it into the playoffs, although uh, still in Albion aren't necessarily playing well. And there's a final playoff spot up for grabs that I thought a number of teams would uh, in fact, actually every team would 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 fancy getting their hands on, but I don't think it'll be Aaron that uh, that, that get it. One of the players that I did want to highlight was Tommy Goss, who we we mentioned earlier. Tommy Goss is somebody in the in the crowd. They like one of them. It's like the sounds an attraction, like a, a, a sort of a, a circus freak, like uh, like they'll come see the world's tallest man. And, and when you see Tommy Goss is coming onto the pitch. You think, fuck me, he is he's huge. 
he is huge. He's just he's he's just a, an absolute unit. However, there's a reason why he didn't get kept on at Queen of the South last year, and that's because he he just doesn't jump. He's he's actually really bad in there. As daft as that sounds, he's really bad in there. And Nicky Jameson. Uh, who that's what another player who's playing really really well at the moment he was in the SPFL team of the week um, I like the guy who writes that has ever seen Nicky Jameson in the flesh before but Nicky Jameson was just able to just push him around and header him and, and was able to hold him and just timed his headers really really well and, and, and kept him at, at bay but I do think that there's Goss has got obviously just look at him he's got something about him but whether or not that can be coached into him whether or not you can coach a player to jump I, uh, I, if you have to do that, then I've got my doubts as to whether or not we can unlock. Uh, it doesn't Thomas sound Goss. like the hardest thing to coach somebody. Jump. You say that, Sean, but here we here we are. Here we are. So where are standing? Where are standing going to finish this season? Is there a is there an upward mobility about them? Steady, I've got Kelty at the weekend, and I often okay, so think so that that will knock their upward mobility. You often think, oh, someone's got to beat Kelty. And I don't think that Stennis will beat them, but I do think Stenny can give them a good game. I suppose like that Forfar gave them a good game. Last week, Forfar went into that match on four consecutive wins and lost 1-0. Sterling Albion as well went into the game against Kelty Hearts in good form. They, they drew 1-1, but still no one's... Teams are really playing well, going and playing Kelty and, and still not able to beat them. So I actually... I think Stenny will give them a good game. Whether or not they beat them, that's I, I don't think that's the case. I think that the, the Warriors are a couple of players away from having a team that can do really well. I think they need they need uh they, they need someone in the middle of the park who's just going to destroy things. They need someone a really, really fit central midfielder. There must be tons of them kicking about. Like someone like a Kieran Miller type, that's the player I'd always say, a Kieran Miller type, who for my money is the best ball winning midfielder in the, the, the lower leagues. No, he's, he's doing all right at East Fife. No, East Fife aren't doing well. He's playing quite well at the moment. But someone who can just snap in and just sit in front of the defence, break the play up and give it to the better players. Nothing fancy. We need a player like him. And I think that until Robert Thompson's fit, we need someone to play up front because or isn't playing well. Another is a guy called Ryan Tierney. His nickname's Hang Time. I know that's been abbreviated to Hangers. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. I think my mate Neely gave him that nickname, Hangers. But he, because I think he runs around like he's got a coat hanger up him, like uh, like that. So so we really are struggling up front. And, and a lot of it's coming for Adam Brown and Euro Riley are, are doing a lot of work. And, and maybe... If I'm being, if I can be greedy, maybe someone, someone who can play on the the right of that that attacking three, because Darren Christie, Darren Christie, and Cammy Graham, who both want to play in that position, both of them are better coming off the bench. So whether or not the club have got money to spend in January, that's where I would like to see it um, uh, spent on. I think that. Swift has, I still think like the BSC guys he signed, only one of them I think is actually any good. One of them is the worst goalkeeper I've ever seen at the club. <laughs> you know, like I said that the fact that he's one of the worst all-time players. I've put him actually on the all-time worst 11. And, and some of the guys like Ross Forbes, better in recent weeks, still wouldn't have gone for him. Um, but other than that, I suppose, if he signed 20 players and about that... 53% of them are quite good, then that's that's good, is it? Do you remember, do you remember the very first episode of View for the Terrace? Yes. And Craig Fowler said that uh, Craig Levine's success in signing players was about 50%. And he said, you can't say fairer than that. And you so can't. That, sounds, that sounds positive from Stephen Smith. As you can, I mean, if you're using, if Craig Levine are signing 50% of your players is good, then maybe signing 53% is, <laughs> is, is even better. Aye, that's it. Need legs in the middle of the park. I mean, Mikey Miller was brought in to do that. A player who, again, another player you'll know well from, from Ray Throwers. But went to fullback. But he's playing at right fullback now and playing very well at right fullback, I want to say as well. Interestingly, just, just uh, on Mikey Miller, Colin McMenamin was in the bar. I mentioned that Michael Garrity, who I mentioned earlier, had, had, had played well. And he said, we knew that we could isolate Mikey Miller because Nicky Jameson won't cover, come across and cover for him. So I think that's a very interesting observation. And that's what, perhaps why he was able to get so much so much joy. So I will see what happens with Stennis Muir. I mean, two tough games come up. It's uh, Kelty Hearts in the, the league and then Airdrieonians in the, the Scottish Cup. But I think that... Outside of Kelty Hearts, across that division, 
every side can beat everyone else. Well, you sound you sound much more upbeat than you have done about staying in the season. Fuck me, Rashawn. If, if you if you can't be more upbeat after winning five matches in the bounce, then, <laughs> then, then, then you're an absolutely pathetic football fan, and you might as well just fuck off. You know, it's 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 better. It, it's better. It has been a slow start, and I do uh, I do wish uh, Stephen Swift all the best at the at the at the weekend. Good. Okay, well, I guess that we've uh, we've nothing else to say, but you would think we've nothing else to say. But Sean and I are going off to record a page, and we're basically just going to give some shoot predictions about who we think is going to win the respective divisions, uh, get into the playoffs and get relegated based on nothing more than our hunch, instinct and glancing at the league tables. Uh, I imagine it's going to be like a, what's, what's less than the £2 tier? This should be... Free, they should just give this one away for free as uh, as well. So we are off to that. Uh, well, uh, thank you for, for, for your support. It means a lot to us and we do hope that you can subscribe to the Patreon because it's a, the Patreon is just always just a good laugh. There's tons of good stuff going on. Uh, the, the, the we finished recording our Peep Show podcast series eventually. Uh, Tony Anderson almost had, uh, I think Tony Anderson actually picked up angina trying to record those things he was in. He was in, in great health, but since trying to organise his peep show podcast, he's not been eating. He's lost his hair. He's lost weight. You know, he's he's, he's very nervous now. He involuntary shakes. He did seem very keen to get these organised and, and seemed uh, a bit annoyed when it was uh, difficult to organise. Aye, so so the, the main thing is Tony is, the, these podcasts have been largely finished and Tony is eating again. So that's uh, <laughs> that's that's the most important thing. And there's stuff there about music, there's stuff there about uh, films, there's a good podcast actually about the Asset House. Did you listen to the Asset House podcast back? I, I've not listened to it back, I remember doing it. Oh, it's fucking class by the way, go and have a listen to it. It's really good. Uh, me and Sean were both on it. <laughs> not a good film, but hopefully a good podcast. I, no, it's, it's, it's good. I thought we got to the heart of it very well. But listen, don't take my word for it. Go and subscribe to Review from the Terrace right now. Uh, and Sean and I will be back uh, to record a Patreon very soon. So we'll see you then. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.